All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with two absolutely amazing people. I love people that do things that make the world a better place, and these two are definitely at the top of that list. Here from San Diego's Doors of Change, celebrating 20 years of being amazing and helping people get off the street. Here are my guests, Joanne Newgard and Jeffrey Sitkov. How are you guys today? Welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, you know, the show, normally we talk about things in the entertainment industry, and you guys are tied into that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I really love once in a while to just talk to people that are making a big difference in the world. You guys are helping people get off the street to start living lives that they can enjoy and be happy with, do things that make them feel productive. How did this all get started? Well, what happened is I'm a physical therapist by profession. I practiced for 18 years. I had a successful practice in San Diego, and I had a spinal cord injury uh, 22 years ago. And when I couldn't do my profession, did a lot of soul searching, and it kept coming back to helping youth because they were so messed up as far as their the, the choices they were making. Your, the Columbine happened, and Santee, the shooting happened, and all the escalation of violence. And I kept saying, there's got to be some organizations that are teaching these youth to have better choices for themselves. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. I was actually down the street from Columbine when that was going on, uh, working at a, a music store. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a devastating day. Absolutely. And then, you know, it, it's continued on with other events like that. And you just think, how could we have gotten so far off track as a society where these things happen But then I live in Las Vegas, and I walk down the strip about once or twice a week, and I see homeless people there. And I've tried to get with the charities to do something to help and have not been met with real positive effort to make actual change. So I love that you're that you started it and that you're doing something positive. It makes a big difference. How about you, Joanne? Well, I think that, um, honestly, Jeffrey was um, early on to help this transitional age youth. We refer to them as Tay, uh, 17 to 25-year-old. And uh, a lot of these young people, Scott, are aged out of foster care. And they don't have the support um, of continued uh, families um, for many, many reasons. So the fact that he has um, identified this as a very important age group to support and, and to serve and uh, it's just been it's been tremendous, actually, and, and hopefully to help break the cycle of homelessness, getting them these young people early. Yeah, I, Scott, I spent one night in outreach. I interviewed 100 nonprofits. And the one night that I spent in outreach fundamentally changed the rest of my life. And I saw how they approached the youth, how they spoke to the youth, how the youth actually opened up and spoke to them. And it was so profound that I just that evening I said, I've got to help homeless kids. I didn't even know there were homeless kids in our community until someone said to me, there's a homeless shelter. And I had no clue. But that's why what we're here is to hopefully educate, you know, people that are listening to this about the homeless youth issue, because there's almost four million homeless youth in America today. They're everywhere. And so but they don't have to be on the streets if we can gain their trust and give them, you know, hope so they can have a better life. That is such a staggering number. You know, I mean, just just to think if, if that were the entire homeless population in the country, let alone just within that age range, uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine that here we are, you know, a, a third of the way through 2022, and we're still, you know, not taking care of our of people. And that should be the first and foremost thing that comes with a society is taking care of people. 
which again makes me so much more grateful for what you guys are doing. Is is there a certain element though when you meet these kids when you find them on the street of resistance? Maybe there's a, a concern of trust or unbelief that someone's actually willing to help them. I think that um, honestly, Scott, that's a that's a reasonable, certainly a good question, and and. I think because we have been uh, such experienced outreach workers now for so many years that we have um, developed a an approach that is um, very unassuming. And um, honestly, in all the years that we've been doing this, we have not had any sort of negative uh, reaction. There may be some young people that are more interested than others to, to talk with us. But mm-hmm. I think when someone realizes that you are approaching them for the for the because you care and you're concerned, they may be thirsty, they may be hungry. So we offer water bottles, snacks, socks. Um, and then we sort of kind of meet them where they're at, kind of feel them out if they feel like engaging in conversation. And uh, so we I, we really kind of like you've heard that expression, you know, kind of look at the room, kind of get a get a feel of things. So I think it's us being sensitive to where they're at. Um, so we haven't really had resistance or any any sort of negativeness because I think we generally are looking after their best um, care. And if they're interested in, in having conversation with us. We will continue, and if not, we'll we'll say have a you know good day, be safe, and, and you know here's a snack and water. I love that because it seems like so many things that we do uh, in our society are so formulated, right? Here's our process for how we're going to help you. Instead of what is it that you need, let's pay attention to where you're at and feel out how you fit in. I think that's a huge difference between so many of the things I've seen. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. It really is that you have one shot with these kids initially, because if you can connect with them and give them water, give them some socks and say, you know, we have a music and art program. We'd love to have you go to it's free. You can learn instruments for free. You can earn instruments. And we just want them to go one time into the program because if they go one time. They're going to be able to be there and say, whoa, there's 15 or 20 or 30, 40 other kids here having a good time. This must be okay. So my goal is to get them in one time or just to gain their trust enough to say, listen, what can we do to help you? And we have an amazing case manager that once they do trust us, they say, you know, can you help me? I want to go to housing. I want to get a, you know, I want to get medical insurance. I want to get, you know, psychological help or all these different things that they ask us for. They won't ask us for it, Scott, unless they they actually trusted us. We're not going to hurt them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with my question earlier, is that I I would think that there's a certain element of, you know, why do you care? Why do you want to help me? Why am I getting this opportunity? And and some sort of, is there like a, you know, a rickety van around the corner? Is this not real? There's got to be some point where they're, you know, they're a little maybe put off by it. But it sounds like it's pretty easy to win them over. I think, again, it's just it's it's I don't have an expectation when I meet a youth except to hopefully make their day better. Um, If they choose not to have the snack or the water bottle, that's okay as well. Sometimes we'll go back the next day and they'll be there again. And maybe it will take two or three times to sort of, um, you know, have them feel us out a little bit. But honestly, I think it's really is a matter of not having the judgment. And I think that kids pick up on that. Um, we, We accept them for what they're doing right then at that moment. There's no judgment. We just want them to have options. Everybody should have options. It doesn't matter if you're homeless or not. You should have options to make better choices. Um, and that's what I think we provide. Yeah. And that that really helps, too, because they don't feel like, you know, this is the only thing I can do, so I better take it. It's it's because it Correct. sounds like a good path to take. And that, again, that that would help with the longevity and help them to want to interact more and to stay with it to come back more than that one time. Absolutely. 
These kids can see right through you. I mean, if you BS them, they'll, they will watch you like a hawk. Even if they think they were doing okay, they're still going to watch like a hawk initially until they realize, hey, consistently, these people are nice. They're not asking for anything from me other than to, you know, to make my day a better day or give me the resources that I need. And uh, Joanne is the leader of the uh, of our Taking Music and Art to the Streets program, which is an award-winning program. And, you know, these kids, when they're in there very quickly, they they start learning, you know, how to master a chord on the guitar, the ukulele, the mandolin, the drums, keyboards. And it only takes one, even one or two things for them to master. It's like, whoa, you know, maybe I can do something. And they start feeling better about themselves. It's a gentle progression without putting pressure on them. Yeah, I can't even play a mandolin. So <laughs> kudos to them. Uh, do you think that, you know, as, as far as public awareness, do you think part of it is people, there, there's good hearts out there, but people just kind of turn a blind eye to actually doing anything interactive? They kind of just want to pretend that it doesn't exist? I, I think that's a big part of it, Scott. I think also people have um, oftentimes, and, and I'd like to believe it's because they're just not educated, they're just unaware. I think they have preconceived notions that these kids oftentimes, especially because they are considered young adults, 17 to 25, that they should be getting a job, you know, um, and I think that they can make all sorts of assumptions that they're lazy. Uh, so I think, again, that's why it's so important to educate them that most of the kids that we interact with suffer from some sort of mental illness. And that may be as it, you know, we, we, we can talk about anxiety all the way up to full blown schizophrenia. So I don't think people are aware that, that these kids are troubled kids. They, most of them have come from single family homes, um, have not graduated high school, um, have learning disabilities. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And then when you couple that with being on the streets, especially this last two years when COVID was happening, when it was a lot of the um, services were closed due to COVID regulations. So they had more isolations, which caused more drugs, which caused more depression and addiction. So it's just, it's a, it's a mess. And, and I don't think people are aware of all of that. So they just, they're quick to make judgments about these young people. And um, honestly, you know, we know because we were there, we can see what they're coming from and, and all the challenges they have. And I would think from their perspective, too, the longer that you're isolated from people, the harder it is to integrate back in to open yourself up a little bit and be trusting. Absolutely. Right. I'm it. always asked, Scott, why are these kids on the streets? You know what? And so people think it's because they want to be on the streets. They just want, want to run away from home and do things on their own. Majority of these youth come from such dysfunctional families, such, you know, so there's such trauma in the house whether it's, you know, rape, molest, incest, whether it's, you know, just beating them, whether it's verbal abuse, whatever it is, it's bad stuff. And their parents are alcoholics. Uh, they're, they're drug addicts, some of them. About 40% nationally are LGBTQ kids. And just when they come out, their parents toss them on the streets just because they're gay. And it still happens today. Oh, it just upsets me so much. I mean, I know that that those things happen on a daily basis, but the more you hear about it and the more it becomes a realization, it's just so hard to imagine that that's still the world that we live in. You know, uh, I think, too, about all these people that during the lockdown had been stuck with families that were abusive and, and they couldn't get away. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that a lot of those people will probably end up hopefully finding you guys at some point. But I don't I don't think any I, I see people saying I want to be independent. I want to be out on my own. But I can't imagine anybody going, you know what? I just want to live on the street. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think people choose to be homeless. I think it's it's a byproduct of lots of things that are going on in their their home. Mm-hmm. The issue is once they get on the streets, for whatever reason, to get off the streets is even harder because they don't trust anybody. Everybody tries to take advantage of these kids. There's a lot of, you know, sex for, you know, for trade, for 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 food or for money or whatever. And all these things, they don't trust anybody. So that's even harder, no matter what reason you're on the streets to get off the streets. That's where we really have to build trust quickly with them. And that's what we we pride ourselves because we really are experts, you know, uh, and, and, you know, when you can get a kid from where they are to come in for one class or or just to say, listen, I'll call up this case manager because I need to have medical insurance. You know, anything like that, anything they take a step towards helping themselves is a big deal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, Joanne, you said uh, earlier talking about people thinking that, oh, you just need to go get a job. It isn't that simple, right? Because you have to, A, get yourself cleaned up. You have to have a phone uh, or an address where to fill out your application with. You have to have something where they can reach you if they want a second interview or hire you. It's not just that simple as, oh, just go get a job. Oh, it's, it's, you're absolutely right, Scott. And most of these young people on their travels over to wherever they end up, you know, certainly in San Diego, a lot of them come from the Midwest. Um, a lot of them come from Arizona. Um, but most of them, what happens in their travels, they usually end up being robbed. And there goes their cell phone, there goes their ID. And, you know, to have a job, as anybody knows, as you know, certainly that you need to have a phone for contact, you need to have an address a place where you can put down um, and also, um, you know, obviously an ID. So that's the first thing we do when we meet these young people is we help them become self-sufficient and that we, we have phones, we, we do outreach, we carry around phones in our backpack. We, we give phones out to them. Um, we also help them apply for IDs and of course, Medi-Cal and the other important um, parts to become self-sufficient so that they can get that job. We, um, we give that we provide an address for them so they can actually have an address for their employers. So it's a lot, you know, people don't always realize all the nuances that's in that, that all the hurdles that these young people have to go through to try to get jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, I, I really love that you guys are covering all the bases. I mean, you're, you're really getting these people well-rounded into a better, to a, a place where they can put themselves into better positions. I, uh, about three years ago, I was very close to facing the same thing because I could just not find decent work to sustain myself with. And I was very close to losing my apartment. And I started thinking about exactly those things. How am I going to, you know, if I have to live in my car, how am I going to get out of this? Like, what's, what's going to be the thing that, that does? And it's really a scary thought. You know, I think another roadblock for people uh, wanting to help is there are a lot of panhandlers out there, people that actually live in very nice houses that sit on the street all day and they just try and collect money from people. How how would you what would you recommend for people that want to help but are afraid of all these things that we've talked about? How can they find a way to to make a difference? Well, I think that, you know, when you see the panhandlers out there, I think it's always wise to give food or water. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you can't go wrong giving food, water or socks. Um, I think that's that's just a given. I think that you can certainly do your research. There's um, so many nonprofits here in San Diego. You can go on websites and, and look for that. I think that you just you know, have to make a little effort with it. But I don't I don't ever begrudge. I, I would never um, re, uh, regret giving anybody water and food if they're out there begging. Believe me, they're not in a good place. They're not in a good place. Psychologically, anybody who would put themselves up to that um, just obviously has problems. So giving water and food just makes them having a better day and maybe making better choices. 
That's a really good point. I really like that. Uh, Jeffrey, you were going to say something? Yeah, I mean, COVID has shifted everything because, you know, these youth, not only do they have pressure because they are on the streets, but then they have a pandemic on top of them that they can die, you know, if they get COVID, Uh, they can get really sick during COVID. And so we saw our mental health referrals up 110% in one year. And so we said, you know, we have to help these youth. What can we do? And so we started a program called, yes, youth emotional support in which we give them cell phones, hook them up with psychiatrists, psychologists, so they can actually do remote, you know, uh, telehealth and start helping them get the the help that they need, because unless they get help emotionally, they're not going to succeed. And so we've helped them do that. That's one thing. But also the kids have gone underground. And so we were able to, for years, be able to see the kids on the streets. Now it's almost impossible to find them. They're couch surfing with friends' houses. They're in their cars. They really stay away from things. And so we've had an alter and shift and pivot completely for two years and actually put, you know, Outreach, we went up four times a week, putting, you know, posters up, letting kids know we can help you. And just from doing that in one month, Scott, we got 48 calls from the posters. We've, we're busier now than we've ever been. Wow. And even though we haven't opened up our award-winning program in two years, we still are helping them. We call it remote outreach, homeless youth advocacy. We're advocates for these kids. We're like almost like their parents that they don't have or they can't trust. And so, you know, it shifted how we've done things for 20 years, uh, but we had to do this because we want to continue to help these youth. Well, I I love that you rolled with that, you know, and and you said, all right, we've got to make another path to help these people. And I'm really glad that they're taking the initiative Instead of you finding them, you're just casting the line out there and they're finding it and contacting you. That's inspiring that they actually are coming to you and saying, hey, you said you can help. I want you to help me. That's a that's a big shift to me. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. Now, you guys have a big event coming up on June 30th with a band I actually recently did an album review for. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, one of the way, I mean, people always say, all right, I never know that this is there. I'm touched. I want to do something to help. How do I help? You know, and again, there's many nonprofits. There's 8,000 in San Diego. So they might not be touched by homeless youth, but most people are. Because once you educate them about the stories, because this age group, 17 to 25, Scott, it's the most underserved. They have the least amount of money that is given by the government. You know, they think that the kids are old enough to do it on their own, even though they're a lot younger emotionally. Um, but I'll tell you something, they're the most potential to break the cycle because they've not been on the streets that long. Well, you know, and you bring up a good point because it's very easy to judge uh, or create an expectation of somebody based on how old you think they are. They should have certain capabilities or certain, you know, uh, elements of uh, resources or something. And You know, you can't judge people by anything at all unless you talk to them, get to know them a little bit, figure out where they're at. I think that's a mistake that people make all the time. Yeah. So to answer your question before, there's several ways people can help us. Number one, go to our website, doorsofchange.org. Doors is plural. There's many um, youth interviews on there, uh, which are very powerful. If you like sport, if you like memorabilia, We've been blessed to have a lot of the music industry support us 
Elton John, Billy Joel, Santana, Springsteen, the Who, the Eagles. We got many things right now on the website now that people can buy right away. Um, what a lot of people say, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but I want to help. Well, we have an angel team and we actually took the name Angel Team from the California Angels. They let us trademark the name Angel Team. Wow. Yes. Only time they've done it, they said, because they know it had to do with just with homeless kids. So for $11 a month, the number one one means angels. So for $11 a month or more, someone can be an auto pay and give us $11 a month. It's $132 a year. But if we have many people giving us $11 a month, it's going to allow us to be able to help and buy more phones, more blankets, all these things that we need for the youth we can do. That's one thing. We also do music concerts. And so if people like music, which many people do, we've been blessed to have several music concerts we put on over the years, B.B. King. Um, we did Los Lobos two years ago, all sellouts. And now we're doing Three Dog Night, who have over 20 hits in the top 40. Uh, they're, you know, uh, just legendary in the 70s. Uh, they're doing our concert on June 30th, and uh, it's it's a beautiful amphitheater outside because of COVID. We had to be outside. We wanted to be outside. So it's a lot safer for people. And the cheapest seat is $49, a lawn seat. That's so you can not go and bad. Get a, yeah, get a free seat. You can sit on there and sit on the lawn and watch the concert. And there's better seats, obviously. But the most important thing is you're coming to support these youth. We have one of the youth that's going to be speaking who will blow people's minds. She went from homelessness to lawyer to owning her own law firm and was Ms. Universe last year, African-American, amazing wow. human being. And she's going to be speaking. Nikki will be speaking. Hudson will be speaking at our, at our concert. So I highly recommend people, anybody in Southern California, come and support this. Go to our doors to change.org to get tickets. But the most important thing is you're coming to support this. Listen to the band. Listen to Nikki speak. Uh, actually, um, Joanna is going to be honored uh, for the Mentorship Award that we give. It's the most prestigious award we have. And she's been mentoring these youth for five years. And she's an angel and a mother to these youth. Well, we won't tell her that she's getting that award, will we? <laughs> <laughs> that is f- fantastic. I love that uh, you know people of, of note, too, are pitching in because that will often inspire other people to uh, to do the same. Well, if Elton John is, if this is important to him, then it's important to me, you know, uh, fantastic. And, and yeah, I think on top of all that, people are just itching to go to events, to go see something, to just get out of the house. You know, I, I don't know what it's like in California. Here in Vegas, we've kind of returned to whatever. <laughs> it, it seems people th- like people think it's over here. Um, it's not. But uh, I love that you guys are doing it outdoors because that's a great way to see a show. And, uh, and, and I'm really glad that you set up these, these events because it sounds like an absolutely wonderful evening. I'm going to have the link in the show notes for everybody as well. And if you're in Nevada, California, Washington, travel to San Diego. It's not that far. Spend a couple of days there. It's a beautiful town. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a concert with a purpose yeah. because really we're giving youth hope. We're giving the community hope that these youth can get off the streets and help themselves. And then they become role models, just like Nikki uh, is a role model for many people. And we've got so many people that, by the way, I was going to share with you, people want to say, well, you know, give me a success story. We have many success stories, but do you have, is that okay to, for oh, me to give a quick success absolutely, story? Absolutely, yeah. So this is a story. This is a picture of Tyler right here. Okay. Big guy in the end. Mm-hmm. 
Tyler was homeless for four years from 12 to 16 because his mother was a meth addict. She loved him, but she was a meth addict and went through all of her money and her, her two kids were on the streets. And so, you know, he came into the shelter the night that he came and we actually had our music program, which we founded and, and, and paid for. And he came into the music program and it was the first time he ever played any music. Once that evening was done, he played guitar that night. I'll never forget it because truthfully, he did not let that guitar out of his hands for about two and a half months. He literally brought it everywhere with him. And he actually came back to the shelter and said, I want to help others. When I'm leave, I want to come back. And so he actually came back for about four months and actually taught others in the program how to do guitar. And he came up to me and said, you know, can Doors of Change pay for a guard card for me? I want to be in a guard. And that cost about $400 at that time. And because he was such a a giving person, we said, we're going to do this. Do you know that he actually ascended and uh, Elite Security is a huge uh, security company in San Diego. They do the Padres, the Chargers when they were there and everything. He was the youngest ever security guard supervisor. Wow. Okay, he was in charge of the of the uh, Del Mar Fair. You, you know the Del Mar Fair with the Fourth of July. They have huge fireworks. He was in charge of the fireworks at the fair. Jeez. Okay? And now, and he was honored at Petco Park for Employee of the Month in front of twenty five thousand people. And this is Tyler. I love that. That is fantastic. See, it's it's inspired. That should be an inspiring story even if he hadn't started out being homeless, if he was just, you know, a kid coming from a decent home, that would be inspiring as it were. But 12 years old, I mean, you don't know anything about life at 12. You know, you think you do, of course, but, and and having to live through the things he must have had to endure, seeing his mom deteriorate. I mean, I can't even imagine. Thank God for you guys being there and giving these kids an opportunity. I mean, that a lawyer... And that's one of the hardest things to accomplish. Yeah. We have one of our kids that's in, she's got one, two semesters left and she's an attorney. Wow. Yeah. That's just unbelievable. I I mean, what's more inspiring than people going from having nothing and literally not knowing if they're going to wake up the next day to becoming something that not only they can be proud of, but they're doing things that help other people. You know, the cycle continues. Do, do the, a lot of the kids, do they come back and help you guys then in, in turn? They, they do. Uh, many of them come back. When I ask them to do speaking, public speaking at concerts or big events or even to come and mentor the kids, they come back. If they're not working, they will come back. The good thing is a lot of times they're working, which is great. But if they're not working, they will come back. Um, uh, Joanne, what about Elliot? You can share the story about Elliot because there's another success story that, you know. Elliot. We we came across Elliot in outreach, and he was homeless at the time, um, and uh, just a very very talented person. And he came in and he played violin, and we asked him to help maybe teach other youth violin. And um, I mean, he just has an incredible way with the youth, and people can relate to that. So he's been a big part of our program now as a volunteer basis, and he's no longer homeless. He um, and now has an apartment and pays rent and has a car and has a tremendous job. And he's just a it's a it's a really wonderful role model for so many of our young people. So they do they do circle back, they check in with us and see how they can help because they know what a difference um, the program has been for them, and they they know that there's so many other kids out there that need the same support. So they're very willing to check in with us. Oh, that's wonderful. I would think that there would be a natural um, 
just a desire to say, hey, you guys helped me and got me out of a situation. I want to do the same for other people. I, I just think that that would be a natural thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they really are motivated to help and they're motivated to help raise money because they know if they raise money, we can help even more kids. So they have been just tremendous helping us. And and again, they they give hope to the kids that are now coming up and they talk to them and they mentor them. So it's uh, it's been wonderful to see full circle. Yeah, for sure. Before we go, I want to ask you guys, and, and I know this is probably an impossible question, but considering the stuff that you've seen that caused people to end up on the street, what can we do to help? I, I mean, it's great that we're helping people recover from that, but it, what can we do to help prevent it? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that, um, I think honestly, when these young people are struggling, um, they have peers that are that are not homeless, and and it, perhaps it helps to for people to be aware of of these young people that need help and support them. Friendship is important. Sometimes their friend may have a, a family uh, parent that could be helpful. So as a community, we all you know you're so right, Scott. We're getting them after they're already on the streets, mm-hmm. but there is ways to be um, sensitive to them when they are having their troubles and to extend them, extend yourselves. Um, I know myself, my own our own family, um, and I have my daughter. Um, when she was in high school, asked us to help a young man who was having struggles. Um, and we had him stay at our home. And um, we're, we were very blessed that his life has now been just so tremendous for that support. So I think as a community, we need to extend ourselves early on because preventive is certainly the way, Scott. So that is a good question. Maybe just be aware of our neighbors, you know, help out with a dinner. If someone loses a job, you know, extend yourself. Um, you know, we can't live in our little bubble. We, we all tend to do that, especially here in North County. Uh, a lot of us can't relate to the financial problems that people have. So maybe just be a little bit more in tune to your neighbor and extend yourselves and teach your children to do that. And take them seriously. When when people say they seriously. have a problem, really listen. Correct. Yeah. Oh, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for all that you're doing to make the world a better place. And uh, I, I just think it's amazing that this has been going on for so long. And I can't imagine the number of children that the lives that you have changed and you know, ongoing to the kids that they have and, and so forth. It's, it's, that's, this is the kind of stuff that I really want to see more of in the world. It's, yeah. it warms my heart. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Well, thank we've you, Scott. To, we've been able to, Scott, help over 2,300 youth get housing. And our music program has seen 8,300 visits. Wow. So that's a lot of youth getting a lot of different resources. And, and again, just like Joanne said, Thank you for letting us get the word out because that's the biggest thing I think can help turn this around, continue to raise awareness in the community so that if they know someone is having trouble, it's not like a stigma, like, oh, my God, I'm afraid to say something. It's out there just like LGBTQ, the same thing. Uh, It's more comfortable, like I can come out, you know, let's say. So I think that it's uh, I think it's very important for homeless youth and uh, people that know that there's kids that are having problems. The more we can educate them about what we do that there are kids out there having this, that the kids that can get well and, and help themselves, it will help bring more kids to the to, to help, you know, uh, our organization and others to get help. And maybe we'll see you, maybe we'll see you, Scott, at Three Dog Night concert in Moonlight Amphitheater in Vista. Since, uh, yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and guys, uh, for you guys that are listening, really, for the price of a cup, and a, a cup of a coffee and a half at Starbucks, you know, you could help. Every month, $11 is not a lot to ask. It really isn't. And look at what these guys are doing. You can help without, 
if you don't want to get involved, if you're afraid to to be hands-on, you can still make a huge difference. So the links will be in the show notes. Please check them out. Watch the video I've got the link for. Go to the website. Um, if, if this doesn't warm your heart, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Doorsofchange.org. Doors, plural. And thank you for having us, Scott. Thank, thank you, you guys Scott. so much. Come back on the show. See us again. Let's, let's uh, catch up in the future and see what else you've accomplished. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you, you, Scott. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.